In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Our great God, we, your people, are gathered this morning. We're gathered now even around your word. And this is our prayer. Would you meet with us? Would you speak to us? Would you shape us? Would you bring us to repentance? Would you fill us with faith? Would you guide us? Would you direct us? Would you give us your power? Spirit of God, would you take this word and create spiritual life in us and through us that extends beyond us into your world? Oh, Lord, would we be the people today who have met with you, who know you, love you, who yield to you and your ways, oh God, would you stir this in all of us today, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you haven't done so already, please take your Bibles and turn over to the book of Acts, chapter 1, which Regina just read for us. Um, here at Redeemer, we are... Um, in, a, in a, a series where we're considering a biblical theme. The biblical theme is the kingdom of God. The, the theme is the kingdom of God. And, and so we've talked, the, the challenge of this theme is that there's not a single passage that we can point to and say, here's the definition of the kingdom, here's exactly what it looks like, and here's exactly what God requires of you because of the kingdom. Yet, we could summarize the whole Bible and say that in many ways there's this theme from Genesis to Revelation and every page in between where God's building his kingdom. What God's doing in the world is building his kingdom and his kingdom is filled with his people who carry out his work for his glory. 
So we've so what we're doing in our series is we're trying to grasp onto the clear, simple, tangible realities about the kingdom that, that we have to hold on to. So if we're, we're making a, a stool or a chair of the kingdom, these are the, the legs that, that hold the whole thing up. And so we've said from Matthew 6, Jesus taught us to pray for and long for the kingdom. We said from John 3 that the kingdom is only entered and truly understood by those who are born again. And then last week we saw from John 18 that the, the kingdom of Jesus is not, the quote was, of this world, meaning it's not governed by or empowered by or structured like any other realm or leadership in this world. The, the, the authority of the kingdom is something that's eternal and heavenly. So today, this is the question we're going to wrestle with. How is the kingdom of God built? How does the kingdom of God grow today? Um, and the answer from Acts chapter 1 is the kingdom of God is built and grows because the Holy Spirit empowers God's people for the work of the kingdom. The kingdom is, is built by the Holy Spirit who empowers God's people for the work of the kingdom. So, now, if you didn't want to listen to me today, there you go. That was free. You're, you're good. You can go to lunch after church and have an intelligent conversation, okay? I want you to dig deep with us here. Um, so if you want to take notes this morning, the first point is the ascended king. The ascended king. What we've said all along is kingdoms have kings who have people who love and serve the king, that's the idea of kingdom. What makes Christians getting our minds around, I don't know why I'm so worked up already. It's early, but we're just gonna go with it. What makes Christians getting our mind around the kingdom so difficult is our king is not physically and tangibly present among us. We can't drive to a place and meet physically with King Jesus. We can't purchase a ticket to go to a live stream carried out by King Jesus. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the King of the kingdom. But what Acts 1 does is it, is it, it tells us how the king is exercising his authority it tells us how we encounter the king, and it tells us how we engage with the king, and the connection is the Holy Spirit. So what we're going to see two things here in Acts 1. The king has ascended into the heavenly realm, and the king has sent the Spirit to carry out the work in this earthly realm. 
Okay, so the ascended king. Jesus is the king of the kingdom, and he's alive. So Acts chapter 1 begins this way, verses 1 through 3. In the first book, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. So what Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, is saying is this is actually part two. Okay, it's a series. This is part two. Part one, we also have in our Bibles, it's called Luke. And Luke is a gospel. It's good news. It's the story of the birth of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the burial of Jesus, the resurrection from the dead of Jesus, and Jesus appearing to his followers. And this is how the book of Luke ends. Don't turn there, just listen. Luke chapter 24. Thus it was written that the Christ, the Messiah, the King, should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay into the city, stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So Luke ends with the resurrected Jesus telling his disciples that what had happened, his death and his resurrection was exactly what God intended to happen. And what should happen from henceforth is the message of Jesus should call for repentance of sin, turning to Christ, and should be proclaimed to all the nations. But you're not ready for the word because you don't have the spirit yet. So Acts 1 continues. Until the day he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So in these appearances... In this promise of sending, in this desire that the gospel be proclaimed to the ends of the earth and repentance and faith be called for, how does Luke summarize that here? He summarizes that as teaching them about the kingdom. So Jesus was appearing, he was showing that he was alive, and he was speaking about the kingdom. Verse 4, while Jesus was with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem, the gift from the Father is coming. You need the gift. Now look at the question, verse 6. 
So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Lord, is this the time when you're going to bring the final fulfillment, intangible, visible, eternal reality of the king ruling over the earth, vanquishing his enemies, and being worshiped and honored and extolled and pouring out blessing upon his people forever. Is that what you're about to do? And without using the word no, Jesus said no. Verse seven. It's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Verse nine, and when he had said these things, as they were looking on, Jesus was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Where did he go? While they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So Jesus, Acts 1 tells us, has physically left the earth. So he's not physically here to, to be seen, to be physically encountered, to be physically engaged with, to physically carry out his reign and rule. And the question, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel, is not the wrong question because the messenger says he will come back in just the same way and he will do that. So your hope will be completely fulfilled. You're not wrong. But we're left in this in-between time, between the departure and the return. So what do we do between the departure and the return. That's the question of the kingdom that we're wrestling with today. But before we move on to that, let's get our minds around these two realities. Jesus has physically ascended into the heavenly realm. And Jesus is no less king over all things today than he was while on earth, or then he will be throughout all of eternity. Acts chapter 7 shows us that. Um, Acts chapter 7 shows us that King Jesus is king over all, even today. The story in Acts chapter 7, um, a follower of Jesus named Stephen He's gotten himself in trouble 
for preaching about Jesus and for preaching about the kingdom coming through Jesus. And as they are stoning him, as they are taking his life for his faithfulness to Jesus, in verse 55 of Acts chapter 7, this is what he said. He gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And they killed him. But the reality of that narrative is what Stephen is testifying to rightly is King Jesus is king. He has not given up his kingship. He has not given up his authority. He has not given up his kingdom. He's simply building it and revealing it in a way different than was expected, but in a way that is right. So for a a read through Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, we see Jesus is the king who reigns over God's kingdom. Second, we see there will be a time where Jesus will reign over all the earth as king of a complete and fulfilled kingdom. In the meantime, Jesus reigns in the heavenly realm. Which then begs the question, what about the kingdom now? Is Jesus reigning over it? Is it now or is it only in the future? Are we just left to ourselves to figure it out? What about the kingdom now? Acts 1 answers this question for us also, and that pushes us to the second point, the Holy Spirit working. The Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit is working. What's the Holy Spirit here doing? The Holy Spirit is empowering the people of God to love God, Trust God, obey God, serve God, and, and do and carry out the works of God. The plan for us today is the Holy Spirit pushing us and moving us and reigning in us to cause us to see and submit to and yield to King Jesus. The work of the kingdom is being carried out by the Holy Spirit. All right, dude, where are you getting that? Okay. Verse 5. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 7. Or sorry, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you, with this 
power will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So you see what's going on there? The Spirit is making the followers the workers of building the kingdom. So how's the kingdom being built? By the Spirit. How's the work of the kingdom being done? Through the Spirit. It's the Spirit of God who is doing the work of building the kingdom in the here and the now. Now, there is this beautiful reality that God uses us and he allows us to be a part of it, but he's using us as the Spirit is moving us. He's using us as the Spirit is moving us. And that's what Acts 1 is telling us, that Jesus departed and Jesus sent the Spirit. And it's the Spirit who dwells among the people, who empowers the people, and who carries out the work of God through the people. So who is reigning over the kingdom now? God and his son and his spirit. God the Father sent God the Son to redeem his people and establish his kingdom. Then God the Father and God the Son sent God the Spirit to empower God's people in building God's kingdom. Currently, and until Christ returns, the kingdom of God is being built by the Holy Spirit working through the people of God. That's what Acts 1 tells us. And, you know, like, in seminary, we argue over the craziest, dumbest things, right? Do you know one of the things we debate in seminary is what should the book of Acts be called? Right, guys that have been there? It's a debate. Here's my best answer. We should view the book of Acts as this. The Acts of the Holy Spirit through God's people to build God's church and establish God's kingdom. Now, that would take up a whole page in title case, but that's really what's going on in this book. Look, look, just, let's just do this quickly. Acts 2, the Spirit descends on whom? All the believers. What do they do? They testify in many languages and tongues to Christ. And then we could go through hundreds of examples, but let's just go to the one we've already looked at in Acts chapter 7 about Stephen. Remember we said Stephen testified to who Christ is? Now look, how and why? Acts chapter 7, verse 55. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. So it is the Spirit of God working in the people of God, empowering the people of God to carry out the work of building God's kingdom. Okay. Let's make this tangible, okay? Here's the most tangible thing I can tell you. 
if I say something vague like go and build the kingdom, who knows what to do? Anybody? Go and take seriously all the commands in the New Testament about the Holy Spirit and his work in the life of a believer. And you will be participating with God in doing the work of building his kingdom. So anything in the New Testament about the Spirit at work in a Christian is how God is going to use us, his people, to build his kingdom. Okay? And we're going to look at that for a few minutes. But before we do that, here's the big takeaway for you today and for me. If I'm in Christ, I have the Spirit. If I'm in Christ, I have the Spirit of God. And if I have the Spirit of God, then God intends to empower me and us together to carry out his work in the world. So that debilitating sin that you can't seem to shake, I need you to believe that the Spirit of God dwells within you and wants to empower you and is able to empower you by grace, through faith, to overcome that. It doesn't have to be. That person that you know who is so far from the Lord and you couldn't imagine them ever becoming follower of Jesus, that's probably what people used to think about you. And Spirit of God brought you to faith. And Spirit of God will bring that person to faith. We need to believe that Spirit of God is eager to work through us in such ways. What about that passage we just read earlier? Dan picked that one. That was quite convincing, convicting from Romans chapter 15. Love, defer, honor others. Who fills up to that task? That's the work that the Spirit of God's eager to do in us. We, guys, I believe that within Southern evangelical Christianity, our biggest stumbling block is simply believing that not, we, we believe God's able because he's God and he's big and he's strong and he's powerful. But our stumbling block is believing that God wants to be powerful through broken vessels like me and like you. So you work 60 hours a week and spend 15 more in your car. God will still, is still eager to bring about the work of his gospel and the work of his kingdom and the work of his spirit through you. Mad lib, whatever your excuse for not believing is, and the spirit of God is eager to work in those ways. Now, what does the New Testament tell us that the Spirit of God is active doing. Because if the Spirit's active doing the things, then Acts 1 says he's going to pull the people of God with him. Okay? So what does the New Testament tell us that the Spirit of God is active doing? Number one, the Spirit of God is active in God's mission. Active in God's mission. We don't have to go any further than Acts chapter 1, our passage for this morning. You will receive power... When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, why? 
You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's where they were. In Judea and Samaria, that was the area around them. And also the Jewish religious expecting the Messiah areas. And to the ends of the earth. Those are the unwashed haters of God that we could never fathom having any interest in the Messiah. What's the Spirit going to do? He's going to drive the people into the mission of others hearing and believing and receiving the gospel. Repentance and faith will be preached to the nations, as we read earlier, Luke chapter 24. The Spirit of God is active to move the people of God to help others know God's saving power. So, God's kingdom is built when God's people follow God's spirit into mission, into gospel proclamation, into inviting others to know the Lord. Second, the Spirit of God dwells with God's people and works for God's people. Romans chapter 8 is for you to read and meditate here, okay? Romans chapter 8. I say Romans 8, you go, oh, yeah, Predestination, election, calling, glorification. Yeah, I love that. You got to go back though. The root of the whole thing is this. The spirit of God dwells in God's people. And because the spirit dwells in you, you're safe, you're secure, you're loved, you're cared for. Romans 8, 3. The Holy Spirit enables us to live as those no longer under the weight of sin and death. Romans 8, 6, the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. Now, Romans 8, 9, the Spirit stirs us to have the freedom of, of being called the children of God and the freedom to call out to, to, to God, Abba, Father. Romans 8, 16 and 17, the Spirit bears witness to us that we are children of God and heirs, and he will be with us even as we suffer with him. Romans 8, 11, the Spirit of God gives us the power for godliness. It enables us to put to death the deeds of the flesh. Romans 8, 26, the Spirit helps us to pray when we don't know how to pray, interceding for us with groanings too deep for words. It's by the Spirit of God that God dwells among his people and carries out his work for his people. So the Spirit says, go, and the Spirit says, God is for you. So we would say then that the work of God's Spirit in the life of believers to comfort and care and give peace and bring us to faith and trust is also a part of the kingdom coming to greater bearing in the world now. 
the more I am visibly, tangibly able to love and embrace and celebrate the work of God for me, that's the work of the kingdom that the Spirit is doing. Third, the New Testament tells us that the Holy Spirit is bringing transformation to people. Not only is the Holy Spirit redeeming people and sending people and caring for people, but the Holy Spirit is tangibly changing who people are. The older I get and the more I try to wrestle with growing in the faith and the more frustrated I get with empty, hollow theological arguments that just give us an excuse for our sin and every one of those words was intentional and planned, the more I love Galatians chapter 5. So your verse here, your chapter here is Galatians chapter 5. In the book of Galatians, guys, Paul's angry. He's angry. If you love a good chest thumping, I told you so, and you're wrong, and you need to repent, you need to go read Galatians. But here's the question of Galatians in chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. Paul says this, Look, did you receive the Spirit? So he's saying all the Christians have the Spirit. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Implied what's Paul saying? The Spirit of God is going to change who you are. Therefore, you get to chapter 5, verse 16 of Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Paul says, I exhort you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Galatians 5.25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Meaning, let's move joyfully and willfully and livingly where the Spirit's moving. And the Spirit will be moving God's people into transformation. How, how do you say that? Because if you read Galatians 5, there's, this, there's two columns. The deeds of the flesh, which Jesus came to destroy, and the deeds of the Spirit. You see, it's the Spirit that's moving the people into the deeds of the Spirit. So, the Spirit of God is moving the people of God into true transformation. Which means this, Christians. Our transformation from sin and into godliness is the work of Jesus. It is the work of the Spirit. And that, too, is part of how the kingdom is more manifest in the world. Fourth. Spirit of God is building the church of God. What we see throughout the book of Acts is the Spirit moving the people into new places. And in the new places, people are believing. And as they are believing, they are being gathered into these local expressions of believers that, we, that will become to be called church. So the Spirit of God 
is assembling redeemed people who are being transformed into gatherings to pursue Christ and his kingdom together, which means that the Spirit of God is not pushing people out onto islands where they can have their me and God moments, but rather the Spirit of God is is pulling believers into gatherings, and these gathered people are doing mission, are receiving the presence and the working of God, are praying, are seeking transformation, and are inviting others into it. The kingdom of God is being built now by the Spirit of God who is at work in the people of God. Man. Okay. with this so often I end sermons on on motive just on believe one thing because I think that often we just don't care enough to do anything I think we're in an age that's busy Tired, weary, hurting, distracted, wounded, potentially victimized, numb, unfeeling, and just wanting to go to sleep so we can wake up tomorrow and do it all over again. And yet there's a dullness in us that says there's got to be more. And there is. There's a God who is ready and eager and sent his son to purchase a a new eternal life for his people, for you, that he wants you to experience now. Yes, someday we'll be on the other side of Jordan, but today we're on the stormy banks, and on the stormy banks, the Spirit's with us, and the Spirit's for us. And the Spirit wants us to know God's love and wants us to know God's presence and wants us to know God's peace and wants us to be delivered from our sin and our death. And he wants us to be winsome testimonies of his power such that others would say, I'll go over there on the stormy bank and stand with them because it seems to be worth it. And maybe I'm naive and maybe I'm a simpleton, but I think the biggest barrier for me, for the Mosley family and for Redeemer Church is we just don't believe that God will work through us like that. And if we don't, we're wrong. And if we believe it, then the second thing is, well, I care enough to pray and ask God to work. Well, I care enough to to walk with the Lord, to, to engage in personal discipleship and personal relationship with the Lord. And then will I care enough to say to others, hey, let's do this together. Because what the New Testament tells us is God left his spirit to do that work and he's gonna do it. Let's go with him, people. Let's go with him. There's more joy there. I mean, what if, what if you don't actually need a new job? You don't need to move to a new community. You don't need more money. You don't need a better school for your kids. 
you certainly don't need more activities for your kids. What if God has you exactly where he wants you? And the joy is available through the spirit who's ready to work. The purpose that you yearn for is available through the spirit who's ready to work. The fruitfulness that you yearn for is available through the spirit who's ready to work. The answer to that truly debilitated, there's got to be more to life than this, is available through the spirit who's ready to work. I just want us to believe it, and I want us to pray it. Pray that way. Pray that way. What's, What's the first thing I should do? Ask the Spirit to work, and then do what he tells you. And when you read the Bible, he's telling you. And I'm not mad. I realize I'm like an angry, sweaty man screaming at you. I'm so far off my notes right now. Have we gone to heresy yet? Are we safe still? I'm, lo- I'm looking at particular ones of you. Say we're safe. I hope it's okay for me to say this. We spent about 16 hours this weekend as an elder team. We have eight elders here at Redeemer. A couple of our staff pastors just sitting around a table saying, How do we be faithful, Lord? How do we be faithful? And you know what? There are no easy answers. How, how do, Lord, I'm, I'm going to be real specific because I want to be convicting, okay? Lord, how do we get men in this congregation to move toward Jesus? And I don't think it's as simple as having another bonfire or another day at Top Golf. Like, like how, do we, how do we do it? And you know what we came away with? There's no magic bullet. And there's no simple answers except the same spirit that's available to our women who seem to be running toward Jesus is in us. So we must be the problem. Guys, I'm not disappointed in you. We're not ashamed of anything. We just want to be a church that actually does the things that we say we're going to do. Help people know Christ, help people grow as disciples, and make the world a place that's more Christ-centered than it was when we started. That's all we want. And maybe we're doing okay, maybe we're doing terribly, but either way, Spirit of God, would you make it more? Would you make it better? I don't even care who gets credit. I don't. We don't. The kingdom now is manifest by a spirit, the Holy Spirit, who has been sent to point people and pull people and shape people to be Christ followers. And Christ followers who truly follow Jesus. This is the work of the kingdom. 